the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black here, Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, economic news, anything you want to talk about. Pick up the phone. Call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. We'll talk a little trading today. We'll talk a little economy, what's moving the markets and why. We have a drive for five going on right now. That's Interesting to note why. Good question. It's interesting to note probably because things should be weaker on Wall Street. We shouldn't be driving for five. We should be looking at the slowdown in the economy in the second quarter. We should be looking at the shift from super low rates to low rates on our treasuries and the Federal Reserve and the effect that it's having on our economy. And yet, we continue to say, we continue to march to the beat that basically says something along the lines of, things are going to be better in the second half of the year. Damn. (laughs) You know, that's what we're banking on. U.S. economy, better in the second half of the year. We know that China's not doing great. Their imports and exports not doing great. So they reported a 3.1% year-over-year decline in exports. They reported a 7 tenths of a percent drop in imports. Oil prices have popped. The mortgage application index has declined. Spain could get a sovereign downgrade on debt, and yet we're higher. This is a formula for a correction. So much good, bad news, right? The FDIC yesterday proposed a stricter, stricter, stricter leverage ratio for banks. Small business optimism fell. Italy had their debt downgraded. IMF cut global GDP forecasts for 2013, from 2014, and yet the markets are higher. Damn it, why can't bad news be bad news? 
bad news is good news. Okay, so there's something that should be talked about, and we don't talk about it because we tend not to talk about these things. Something that should be talked about, uh, we need a correction. It would be ideal if it happened in the second quarter, but maybe it will happen in the third or fourth quarter. I don't have a crystal ball. All I see is green today. SP 500's up fractions. Dow's up 14. NASDAQ up 7. 10 year Treasury sits at 2.6%. Gold's up 6 buckaroos. 12.51. Oil up a dollar and change. Um, this doesn't change my mantra. Max out your 401k. Your 403b, your 457. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, you want a down market, and we're just not getting it. And that totally stings. I know, you're saying, hey, 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 I'm making money. A lot of people are waiting for the Fed minutes today. In the last four Fed minute releases, the market's gone down four straight times. So do I expect that to happen today? I don't know. Do I want it to happen today? I I don't care. So we're waiting for the Fed minutes. Those minutes are likely to show that members are starting to lean more towards tapering due to the better half of the back end of the year expected. Labor market conditions are slowly, slowly improving. There's not a lot of wage inflation. There will be naturally a lot of attention on the language of the minutes. What will the Treasury market's response be to something that is already feared to be true? I.e., we know tapering is going to start at some point. But when? Market action of late's been really, really good. Uh, in the United States, we are the best house on the worst street. You tend to want to buy the worst house on the best street. So the U.S. dollar index has risen 4.5% since mid-June, and Russell 2000, which has a large representation of small domestic companies, has surged 7% since June 24th. People want to invest in the U.S. U.S. looks better than most places. I suspect that the Fed minutes are going to prove to us again that the U.S. has some improving things going. Consumer spending, uptick in auto and housing sectors. We saw consumer credit expand this week. That means what? We're buying cars. That means we're buying things on credit. It tells us that we have some sort of confidence that we'll be able to pay back the credit. It tells you people are taking advantage of low rates. But if we're buying cars, cars, that's positive for our economy. We're replacing an old fleet with a new, younger fleet, more gas efficient. But also there's a lot of jobs inside that. So when tech doesn't carry the market, auto sometimes does. When autos don't carry the market, housing sometimes does. SP 500 finally went a little bit on the red side as we've talked. 
Judd says Apple conspired to raise prices on ebooks. I don't know if I care about this. Apple's certainly going to appeal. It could reshape how books are sold on the internet. A federal judge ruled that Apple conspired to raise retail prices of ebooks in violation of antitrust law. Decision by U.S. District Judge Denise Codete in Manhattan is a victory for the U.S. government in various states, which the judge said are entitled to injunctive relief. Apple's been accused of colluding with five publishers to boost ebook prices beginning in late 2009 while it was preparing to launch its popular iPad tablet. The Department of Justice said the conspiracy was designed to undercut online retailer Amazon.com's dominance of the fast growing ebook markets. Um, a lot of the big publishers have already settled with. Apple, and that's why the story doesn't have as much meat as you'd want it to. Lagarde, Hatchet, McMillan, Harper, Collins, Pearson, Penguin, CBS, Simon and Schuster. They settled with the U.S. government and states. Cody A said the conspiracy resulted in prices for some books rising to twelve ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine when Amazon had sold them for nine ninety nine. It's interesting to note that Amazon was known as a a negative for the industry in large part because they were cutting the prices. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. got a seminar coming up in the first week of August in Marin. You can sign up for that event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. It's in San Rafael. It's on a Thursday evening. More information at robblack.com. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Rolling Stones keep touring. When you hear a song like this, you go. going to make enough money to live off of. I wonder if they're going to be the next Rolling Stones. Rolling Stones, classic rock and roll, right? Some people have basically, uh, some people have called their recent tour The Night of the Living Dead. Rolling Stones play the last stop of their current tour and possibly their career next week in London's Hyde Park. Their latest shows have gotten rave reviews. The returns on earlier shows have been very, very, very strong. 
Rolling Stones are already the wealthiest band in the world. Probably the wealthiest. Their last tour grossed more than half a billion dollars. Mick, Mick Jagger is looking really old. And his hair is so dyed that it's ridiculous. He's said to be worth more than $300 million. Keith Richards, just a bit less. So why would an old rock and roll band tour? I think the answer lies somewhere in numerous places, but particularly in digital music. Digital music is basically worthless. The return on investment from selling a digital copy of a song is 12%, compared with about 36% for CDs. That's before the revenue is carved up amongst various title holders. There's very little money made from recorded music anymore. iTunes is basically a market of singles. That's one thing that Steve Jobs, for all that he did to help the world, change the world, make the world a prettier place with cell phones, computers... He screwed music. In large part, American Idol and One Hit Wonders are now what sells. Would you rather buy that one song by Kelly Clarkson or an album of Kelly Clarkson songs? Probably that one hit. It's catchy. So Apple turned everything into into One Hit Wonders like the one hit Wonder We Just Heard coming out of break. Spotify, they don't pay high royalties. I saw the woman who wrote Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a Place on Earth. Ooh, heaven. Right? We all know that damn song. It's been played three million times. The songwriter has made $40 or less from it. Song's been played three million times. It's recorded, and her cut, forty bucks. So there's not a lot of music. The royalties just aren't what they used to be. So the revenues aren't where they used to be. So the Rolling Stones go out on tour because tours are generating lots of money. The last three tours grossed about one billion dollars. Their Licks tour did 300 million plus. Their current tour is going to do 100 million plus, but a very limited set of dates. Average ticket price for the Rolling Stones, $370. That's ridiculous. I've seen the Rolling Stones, they ain't worth $370 for an evening. I mean, that's something you go Dutch on for sure, right? You and your old lady. And when I say old lady, this time I'm actually talking about you and your old lady. Go to a Bruce Springsteen show, the average ticket's $93. Bill Wyman left the band in 1993. He missed out on a very lucrative period in the existence of the Rolling Stones. Money's money. Bands as big as the Stones command supremely high margins on splits with concert promoters. There's guaranteed interest in the event. They sell out every event. So they're getting 60% of a show's revenue. So 
when you go to a show and you figure $370, you start adding it up, $3 million a show. So they're getting $1.8 million before you get merchandise involved. So they're not terribly stupid for touring as they turn 70 and 80 and 90. It's easy to ridicule from this side of the fence. You know, the band is just the four current members. They employ more than a dozen people full-time, hundreds while on the road. Setting up stages, even for arena tours like the current one, are massive operations. So this is a major corporation. Larry Mullen Jr. of U2. They invented the blowout multi-sensory rock and roll tour. He once said... The biggest responsibility out of all of this is the fact that you employ a lot of people and you're responsible for them, responsible for making sure they're taken care of. People's livelihoods are dependent on you. So the Stones are basically supporting huge amounts of families. So, I don't know. I think I've probably beaten that to snot, right? But... So a band worth almost a zillion dollars, the music industry is in decline. You're going to see more and more premium type shows because that's where the money is. It's no longer in the album. It's out of the album. So it's no longer in recording. Each calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Later in the show, we're going to talk a little stock market trading action. China posting better than expected trade surplus on below imports and exports. So that sparks the question about the strength of the country's economy. That's not good. When you're bringing up the number two economy in the world and saying, how is it doing? Screw Portugal, screw Greece, but China, we, we can't write off. Peripheral markets pressure European indices. S&P downgrade Italy. Portugal's probably next. Strength seen in healthcare and technology. Weakness seen in consumer discretionary financials and utilities. Drop me an email at rob at robblack.com. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. 800-516-1220. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Major League Baseball is expected to suspend Alex Rodriguez of the New York Yankees, Ryan Braun of the Milwaukee Brewers, and up to 18 other players after next week's All-Star break for alleged violations of the sports drug policy. Drugs are bad, okay? Um, the effects, 100-game suspension for Braun and Rodriguez will cost them tens of millions of dollars. Um, what's frustrating about that is 
we as the consumer, we're never going to get a right answer. Alex Rodriguez isn't going to tell us what we want to know. Did you do it? Why did you do it? When did you do it? When did you stop doing it? Baseball will, in a very tidy and clean way, try to move on and not give us the answers. I hate being the consumer. Right? HP is a big winner. Their stock got an upgrade. Now, HP is a company that's easy to love, easy to hate. An analyst over at Citigroup raised his rating on the tech giant to buy from sell, even though the stock's up 80% while he had a sell rating on it. That's one of the reasons why you can't take Wall Street seriously. Trust me, my industry is so flawed. Yesterday, a titan in, in the financial media industry got slapped pretty aggressively, pretty thoroughly. Um, we work in a flawed industry, financial media. Financial analysts, it's a flawed platform. So what has to happen for you to succeed is you have to grasp what works for you. Day traders don't work for me, so I tell you that. Buying software that tells you when to buy, sell, and hold doesn't work for me, so I tell you that. If you want to try it, try it. It's no skin off my back. I'm not married to your wife. So when I say things like I buy two-year-old used cars, it's so that my sugar booger loves me. It doesn't fight with me for spending too much money. When I tell you that I don't like day traders, when I tell you that I've never found one that's worth a million dollars, when I tell you that there's no software out there, it's, it's my opinion. I'm trying to protect what works in my world. Now, I share that with you, and I think I do a pretty good job of being as open as I can be. Like, I don't like private rates. Private rates get you in a lot of trouble. The person that sells you the private rate makes a ton of money. I tried to tell you that past performance is not indicative of future results. So that you stop thinking like, wow, like here's how boiler room scams work. A boiler room is basically a group of people in New Jersey that call 10 of their friends and say, we like this penny stock. It's ABC Corporation. Well, it's ABC, uh, let's call it M&OP Corporation. And then a boiler room in Atlanta says, we like MNNOP. It's gone up 10% last month, largely because people in Jersey sold it to their friends and family and, and network. So it goes from Jersey to Atlanta, then it goes to Georgia, uh, let's say Mississippi. Then it goes to Mississippi. We like that MNOP corporation. And that little small company, the, the original people start selling it as it goes to the second, third, the fourth, fifth broker. Now, a lot of the way the boiler rooms work is they'll say, we recommend these 10 stocks. They'll recommend 10 different stocks to different people, and three of them will do well. Seven of them will fail, and they'll call those three people back that did well and say, we recommended this to you last month. Now we buy our MNOP corporation. We think it's the next big mover. And you don't realize that 70% of the people aren't going to call back because they get crap advice. I do my best. 
but I guess my best isn't good enough. Let's take a look at the market numbers. SP 500 down three, Dow down 28, NASDAQ up three. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He manages wealth for clients, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little bit of mutual funds. And maybe let's take the angle of the introductory to a mutual fund. What do we need to know? Well, I think it's a matter of comparing apples and apples. Okay. Um, you know, with the whole idea of index investing and job local from Vanguard, um, people got almost too fee sensitive. I mean, it's very important to look at fees when it comes to mutual funds, but people look at a large cap fund and see, or an ETF, which now has four basis points. So four tenths of 1%, you can invest in the entire market through things like iShares. Um, And so then they look at an international fund and see fees of around 1% or more. And they think, oh, I'm not going to touch that international fund. The issue is, is that yeah, that international funds are already just going to have higher fees because you, you want boots on the ground in those countries that they're investing in. You want to have the analysts know the companies, visit the management, things like that. So there's already more cost. So fees, when you look at the returns, especially if you're using Morningstar.com as a tool, the returns are net of fees. So you have to realize that. Sometimes you get what you pay for when it comes to fees. So what I like to concentrate on, what I always talk about, is when I'm investing in a broad stroke of large-cap U.S. stocks, and large cap or in mid cap US stocks, that's where I really, really like to use index funds or ETFs. Right? Um, or if I'm in a positive market for bonds where interest rates are steady and or coming down and all bonds look fairly attractive, index funds or ETFs are a good way to go there. When it comes to small cap international emerging markets or any alternative investments, you can, if you do the homework, find the funds that outperform the indexes. And what I mean by that is if you look at a, an index that's in you know, China, for example, a lot of times you'll look at that index and say, really, I don't want to own all of those companies that are in that index. I want a manager to be much more specific. So that's why I think managed funds and small cap, international emerging markets make more sense than index funds. Can I slow you down a bit? Sure. What does return net of fees mean? Well, so when you're seeing a return, um, you know, Let's say you look at an a international index fund, like the MSCI index, and the return is 16%, but you see a managed mutual fund where the return for 2012 was 15 or 16% or 17 18%. It, it, those returns are showing you net of the fees. It's your real return. Okay. Um, so it has the fees built into The it. fees are built into the return, and, but people still, they look at the return, and then they see the fees... Even though the return is lower, they say, oh, the fee's much lower, so I'm going to buy that fund. That's not necessarily the right thing to do. It's a bad way to shop. Yeah. No. Uh, shopping on price tag alone, sometimes you get lower quality. No, shopping on the way that the real way to shop for managed mutual funds, too, is is you look at you know three, five, and 10-year average returns, yep. and then you look at consistency. You look at items like know what standard deviation means. If a fund has this, two funds have the same uh, longer-term returns... Look at the standard deviation. The one with the lower standard deviation has more consistency, less volatility. Um, And then look at how long the manager's been there. Make sure the manager or the management team has been in place for the length of the track record. Um, Because too many funds change when they get a new person at the helm. And it's interesting for me to look at 10-year returns in large part because you're just, you you fired today, you're like, one, three, five, 10 years. To me, 10 years means how did it do after 9-11? How did it do 
with Bush's president? How did it do with Obama's president? How did it do with uh, the 2008 market correction? How did it do with their recovery? Did it out, did it outperform in good times? Did it underperform in bad times? Like, I need to know this stuff, or at least I need to think about it so I know I'm educated going into a, a purchase. Yeah, and you need to see what happened. Did, did they make big bets to get the returns? In other words, you want to look at the funds and, and realize what their you know annual holdings tend to be. They report to you on a quarterly basis, and if you start seeing too much weight in a certain sector where they're trying to make big bets to make up for mediocre returns, that's when you get a little bit wary of the fund and say, okay, well, they're, they're just trying to catch up and they're taking on too much risk. What do we need to know about alpha and beta of mutual funds? Well, beta is how, how much risk, well, how much movement you're going to have versus whatever index it's following. So if you have a large cap fund and it has a beta of one, if the market moves up 5%, your fund's probably going to move up 5%. If it moves down 10%, your fund's probably going to move down 10%. Beta of less than one means it, it moves a little bit less. So as the closer you get to retirement, the more you want to pay attention to the beta because you want exposure in those areas, but you want lower beta, lower volatility because you're drawing on your portfolio. Typically, uh, dividend-paying stocks that increase their dividends have a little bit lower beta in the long run, and that's why you focus more on that towards retirement. Alpha is a measurement of are you being compensated for the ex- extra risk that you're taking. So when you can run a portfolio through, say, Morning, Morningstar, and you're overweighting in small cap, mid cap, emerging markets and taking on more risk, are you truly being compensated for that risk? And that's important, the, the more money that you have. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. He manages wealthy clients. You can learn more information about him at newfocusfinancial.com. And you can learn more about me at robblack.com. As well as my website, there's multiple ways to find me on the social platforms. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. We'll gotcha. Gotcha. Taking us to break. ESPN body issue. Competing with. Bikini issue. Sports Illustrated. You know that, right? Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black. I try to give you a good, honest voice on how to get to retirement. One of the things I say all the time is you need $1 million to give you Forty to sixty thousand dollars a year of income in retirement. Most people don't know their budget. Most people don't know how much they need for retirement. 
People continue to play video game consoles, continue to watch shows like Jersey Shore, and they're going to get what they settle for. Your lack of knowledge is, is going to hurt you. I believe in developing investment themes. I like down markets. That's a theme. I like taking advantage of pullbacks. I like taking advantage of shocks to the market. Things like the United States going into Kuwait, going into Iraq. People don't know what the heck's going to happen to the economy. And thus it creates a pullback in the stock market. Shoot first, ask questions later. One of my investment themes is the rise and fall of the middle class. One of the problems that I have with real estate is the middle class. There's not a lot of wage inflation there. So I zero in on the rise in disposable income outside the United States as, okay, I can find a middle class somewhere else. Disposable income that we're seeing in the United States is, is stressed. It's pressured. The recent economic data that we saw was wage growth is modest. Disposable income has seen little growth since 2006. Disposable income has seen very little growth so far this year. The personal savings rate has averaged about 2.7% year-to-date. So leisure and travel companies, as well as restaurants and retailers, need to compete hard to win your dollars. This, again, gets into my where do I invest. One group that's been really strong performers over the last five years was casual dining, or what's known as quick service restaurants, QSRs. It's a big profit area. If you've scooped up some market share, Chipotle Mexican Grill up 378% in the last five years. Buffalo Wild Wings. You can almost laugh at the concept, right? I've been in a Buffalo Wild Wings. I flirted with waitresses at a Buffalo Wild Wings. It led to nothing, but I tried. Up 320% in the last five years. Panera Bread up 305%. Now, McDonald's has given you 75% returns in the last five years. Darden Restaurants, um, they have Red Lobster and a couple other chains. You know, they're up 140%. So, there are some opportunities out there that are pretty damn sweet. Chipotle, Buffalo, Wild Wings, Panera. They all had better top-line revenue growth than the McDonald's and the Dardens. The High Flyers averaged 77% top-line growth compared to 28% for the weaker. Now, again, I'll take the weaker McDonald's because you also got a nice dividend along with it. And you have to say carefully, like, McDonald's wasn't that weak because they performed far better than the S&P 500 during that five-year period. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do it. Do it. You do it while you're driving. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll wait. So Panera Bread was one of the companies that I talk about that I'd never been in until about a year and a half ago. So I actually went into a company that I talk about that I tell people is an investment opportunity. 
They opened 10 new bakery cafes in the first quarter of this year. Franchisees opened 12 new bakery cafes. Company has 1,600 cafes up from 1,300 in 2009. So they've had some growth tied towards location growth. When you open up a new store, you get revenues that hit your company's top line. But they've also had some market share growth. Average weekly sales for companies that have been open for over a year were up 20% year over year. So they're getting market share. They're a leader in business communities. Their slogan is a great one. If you're tired of nothing getting done, you take a look at a Panera and you go, they're very intriguing. So we want the market to correct, which is how we started this hour. It might be a stock that I would look at if there was a correction. 10% corrections, aggressive to get into a name that you always wanted to get into. A 20% correction is starting to get a little bit more opportunity. A 30% correction, like, damn, I'm in. I'm happiest when the market pulls back a lot. Because that's when I'm buying some of my favorite names. Some of the names that I've always wanted to own, some of the names I've always wanted to buy. And again, this segment started with the concept of have investment themes in your head, the rise and the fall of the middle class, the attack for your consumer discretionary dollars is aggressive in quick service restaurants because the middle class eats at quick service restaurants. Got an event coming up in early August in Marin, San Rafael. You'll hear commercials for it. You can find out more and sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. And see how affordable term life insurance can be. That's 1-800. Call Trinity at 800-936-53. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Good morning, and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I try to approach things in a variety of manners. Some days I'm talking with economists, some days I'm talking with market strategists, today I'm going to be talking with a trader. What's he seeing in the market? What's the trade? Some days I talk about how to save money, floss your teeth so you don't lose them. Losing teeth is expensive. Some days I talk about read your insurance policy. Don't get things that you don't need. 
I got into a fight by email with someone last year about private REITs. I think they're incredibly risky. I think they're um, speculative. Giving your money to someone to go buy real estate, I don't like the idea. I'd rather buy my own real estate. There's publicly traded real estate investment trust, much better than private REITs. I'd rather go out and get a, a duplex in Oakland versus pay someone my money, give them my money to go buy real estate. One area that I can't live without yet, but I plan to at some point, cell phone. Cell phones are a major expense in our life. Cut it out. If you're not saving 15% for retirement, that's the first area you can cut. Cable television, second. Restaurants, third. Maybe your life will improve. An area that I no longer track in any way, shape, or form, magazines. I just don't care. I wish I did, but I don't. I'm glad that they're out of my life, but the stories are still there. Max Magazine. Once had really sexy celebrity photos in it, right? You're like, I wish I could see... I'm trying to think of a young celebrity right now. And it's missing me, because I'm not that... I wish I could see Olivia Wilde in, in panties and a bra. I'm going to go buy Max Magazine. Well, the Internet's kind of killed that. Time and time again. Maxim was a classier Playboy magazine, but they both kind of body men's titles. Some investors bought it six years ago for about $112 million. It's now worth less than $20 million. Yearly revenues are declining. Ad sales dropped 18% last year, compared with a 2.9% slide amongst magazines as a whole. Maxim saw a 45% decline from a year earlier as far as the first three months of the year goes. And what can they do? Cut costs. So I said, you know, like I'm saving money on magazines that I no longer get. I used to get smart investor and intelligent investor and wise investor. I got all the investor magazines, right? Now the only magazine I subscribe to is Jugs. It's that... Amazing, amazing 12th century pottery magazine. It's very rare. Very, very rare. Um, so, one area that I'm mad as hell about is my cell phone. Do you ever look at your cell phone bill? Do you notice that, like, hey, get your cell phone bill online. Get your bills online. You won't see the way we're screwing you. In California, there's 16.8% in taxes on cell phones. That is almost enough to overthrow a king. Do we have a king in the United States? King Obama? I'm opposed. I'd get rid of it. I think you're a smart man, Obama, for wanting to get rid of the 16.8% tax in California on cell phone bills. It's burdensome. It hurts people. People have a $60 bill that's suddenly a $72, $70 bill. It's too much. But people are like, I got to have my smartphone. 
gotta have my smartphone. Hey, Elizabeth Hasselback's gonna leave the view. Everyone's leaving the view. Just so you know, everyone's leaving the view. Joy Behar is leaving the view. Barbara Walters is leaving the view. In comes Jenny McCarthy. Oof. Oof. Okay, let me tell you about the view real quick. I used to do a TV show in the Bay Area called Rob Black and Your Money. Some channel for Cron. I just recently relaunched it. But my first iteration lasted over eight years, and um, I'm proud of that because it was expected to last less than six months. But um, I was able to beat the prices right. But it took me about four years to beat the prices right. Americans are stupid. We'd much rather watch prices right than learn about money. I never beat the view. Cackling women sitting in a circle talking about daily issues. Oh, never even close. Now that the makeup of characters is changing, maybe. But that shows you our, our issues in America and how stupid we are. Tougher capital rules are proposed for the eight largest banks in the United States. The bank holding companies would need capital equal to at least 5% of assets. Banks would need at least 6% of assets in the top six. I think raising the capital is fine. If that's what you want to do, do it. Fine, just do it. But the banks need to know. How much leverage, how much return on equity can they have? Because ultimately, they're deciding, okay, you, you crazy person, I'll lend you money, but I'm going to charge you 12% because you've not paid back your debt numerous times. I'm going to charge you 12% because you have a shaky job. You've only been there three months. Banks will do it if they know the parameters of, okay, look at that guy. He's good looking. He's got a great job. He's been working there for many years. I'm going to charge him 3%. So banks need to know, like, okay, if we get the low returns on Rob, how much can we get for the better returns on Crazy Person? Rolling Stone's last three tours have pulled it over a billion dollars. That's pretty impressive. For a bunch of old men, Asiana... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.